LLC, we put our customers first. Our hemp CBD products are produced from the highest quality grown and processed hemp plants. Our products help our customers manage symptoms from arthritis, anxiety, ADHD, Alzheimer's, depression, chronic pain, digestion issues, high blood pressure, mental focus, and sleep issues. Visit us today at BetterHealthWaysLLC.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Transparency Podcast. I am your girl, Butter B. Rocka. <laughs> we have an amazing show today, but um, I want to say for everybody that's affected with the coronavirus, take this time to not only, you know, get closer with your family, but take this time to become creative. There's so many things that you can discover when you don't have nothing but time on your hands. Um, learn a new trade. Learn how to do some stuff on the computer. There's so many things. You can do stuff around your house. Just a lot of different things that you can do to keep your mind elevated. You can also check out these books. My book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. It is available both um, digitally and paperback. You can also check out Defiant Ones Teen Magazine. It is a magazine for teens by teens, but not only do they highlight teens and young adults, but they talk about entrepreneurship. They talk about uh, financial literacy, health and wellness of teens, sex trafficking, school, all these various topics that a lot of people don't talk about, especially for teens. Um, and last but not least, I would like to introduce you to you, speaker, coach, and award-winning author, Mr. David Cook, who has an amazing, amazing book, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. And when I tell you guys that this book is amazing, I promise you I'm not just gassing him up because he's on here. I had the pleasure of meeting David. Um, I've been part of the Golden Key International High Honor Society as the personal president for Ashford University. And David was the guest speaker, and I was completely blown away by his story. But more importantly, I was blown away by him in general. I mean, he's so he's so just charismatic. He's just awesome. So, hey, David, how are you? I am uh, great. I am so glad to see you. It's been a long time, and I mean, we've, we've changed uh, social media posts to see how we were both doing, and you look you look fabulous. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, for most of y'all, y'all might not know that I had had a um, knee surgery, torn meniscus, torn ACL, and I dislocated my shoulder. And David was one of the first people to contact me, praying for me, telling me that it was going to be okay. And just officially, I want you to know, I truly appreciate you for doing that because 
I really was, I mean, it's easy to get into a slump and to get depressed. And I was really going through those phases. I, I would have my ups and I would have my downs of trying to cope. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much an optimistic person, but you know, sometimes it gets to you. So you was one of those instrumental people that helped me get through it. And I truly appreciate you. But it's not about me today. It's all about you, my brother. So can you let everyone know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I am uh, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am the uh, second oldest of four children. Uh, at the age of 15 years old, um, I had a spinal aneurysm that uh, left me a wheelchair user. Uh, I, I was a basketball player growing up, loved to play, had aspirations to play for my high school, never really had goals to go beyond that. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes life takes you down turns that you don't expect. You know, I call it a flagrant foul. And it's one of those things where in basketball, a, flag a flagrant foul is really intended to keep you from scoring and make you think mentally about going back to the, the basket. But what actually does happen with the flagrant foul is you actually get the ball, two shots and another chance to score. And so what I learned at a very, very early age is as long as I still had life and breath, I was gonna have the opportunity to, to continue to score. So I was fortunate enough uh, that basketball may, was still a part of my life and still is today. Been able to coach at various levels, high school, uh, college, internationally. Um, I, I got my MBA from Duke, my undergrad in finance, uh, did some things uh, corporately and in the education field. So my life has been great uh, in spite of difficulty. And like you said earlier, it's not always so easy. There are ups and there's downs and there are moments where you struggle, there's moments where you don't feel like doing it. Um, but your purpose drives you and kind of keeps you going through those and also connecting with people and having people to step in and help you get through those difficult times. Uh, I'm currently uh, an author and a, and a speaker. Uh, that's what I do now. And um, I love doing that after spending 25 years in education. I taught economics and did some diversity work and a few other things. But now the opportunity to share my story and try to inspire people uh, to be the best that they can be and, and to do what they were designed to do uh, is really uh, motivating and, and invigorating for me as well. So we're going to take a pause for the cause and bring on my baby sis, L.S., featuring Madame X. This is Send Me Your Love. I'm truly digging this song, y'all. Any topic, you would almost think you would see things. Yeah. I respect cause I done seen a queen. Free. Don't get it twisted, is this some real shit? I'm blowing kisses to all of my bitches. You know what I mean? All of my misses, all of the queens and all of the misfits. We elevated, can't you see? That we all are a part of this history. Underestimated, underappreciated, but all these motherfuckers really can't admit it. No friend of me. You fuck around with me, you get burned. Savages win as I turn. Our validity being confirmed. Now give me some. Send me your love, sending in a text message, give me your love, long as you bless it, send 
moving body take your place nobody god made no mistake crazy communicate perfectly imperfect driven with a purpose ride or die in the backseat allowing me to control me when i give up you there by my side support every decision partner in crime peanut to my jelly forever hold you did to me send me your love send me your love send me your love sending in a text message Let's take it back a little bit. Um, he was playing basketball in high school at age 15, he was a sophomore. And when did you discover that something felt wrong and take us through that process? Okay, it was the morning of October 19th of 1979. Um, I went to school that morning. We were in the midst of our uh, first quarter exams and my back felt a little different. Uh, I had some pain in it, but I didn't think much of it because literally I believe it was about a week to 10 days before then, I had just had a physical. And that physical, I had been given a clean bill of health, no issues at all. So I didn't think much about my back bothering me at that point. I thought that I slept funny or, you know, one of those, ate something, one of those kind of things. But as the day progressed, I played basketball that day. We took my, took my exams, went to the gym, played basketball, but I wasn't quite myself. And as that day progressed, I began to um, have a little bit more difficulty walking, but again, we didn't think much of it. We prayed about it, laid down, thought, you know, let me just get a little sleep. I'll probably feel better when I get up. Well, when I got up, I couldn't get up. And that's when we went to the emergency room. And uh, it took about five hours or so for them to, to, to get to me and get a, get a diagnosis. And they said, you had a blood vessel that uh, erupted on your spinal cord. And there was nothing that I could have done to prevent it and nothing that I did to deserve it. It right. just happened. And from that moment on, um, you know, we had to make adjustments uh, and, and I'm grateful for my family, my faith, my friends. Uh, we always talk about those things, but until you get in a real situation where you really are dependent on someone other than yourself, um, for me, God has always been a part of my life since I was 13. So I knew he was there, but to have my parents and my siblings there and, and friends there to support me, because I tell people all the time, I appreciate your thoughts and prayers, but I love your personal contact. And that made a huge difference for me as we started down this journey. Yeah, I, I, I can, I mean, with me injuring my knee and having the brace on and having to, I did three months with Walker and two months using a cane and all that type of stuff. I absolutely um, understand it better now because like, if you're not in that person's shoes, you really, you kind of get it. But until mm -hmm. you are totally dependent, like you just said, it is it's mind blowing. What was your thought process when you discovered that most of the stuff that you was used to doing, you now uh, had to figure out other ways to do them? Yeah, I um, 
You know, it was interesting. I, I didn't know, um, I guess, the severity of what I had to deal with. And I think youth sometimes helps with those things, you know, because the older you get, you bring baggage and other things into your situation. Uh, but I was 15 years old. I, I was like, okay, whatever, you know, uh, I need to get back to school. I, I was starting to like girls, you know, all those types of things. And so my mindset was never, um, I can't do this. I just got, got to hurry up and get it done. Um, but to, to have to, as much as the spinal aneurysm um, changed, my, changed my life, so to speak, was life changing, I guess is what I would say. When I got to the rehab center and I met my roommate, and his name was Tony Otters. And Tony was a quadriplegic. And Tony was like the most upbeat guy I had ever seen. He had a diving accident, broke his neck. He had much less ability than I had, but he was talking about going home and going to medical school and all that kind of stuff. He changed my life. Right. The aneurysm life changing. He changed my life and it began to help me understand the importance of perspective. And I was like, well, heck, if he got this, I got this. You know, and so I was motivated by what I saw him doing in his struggle. And that's when we talk about how people, when you get on the other side of your situation, there's somebody that will benefit from it um, that you don't even know. Right. And he had no idea the impact he had. And so, you know, literally I had to relearn how to do everything without the use of my legs, getting dressed, getting in and out of the car, getting in and out of the bed, all of those things. And it took time. And I didn't get it right, right away. I had plenty of failure in the process, plenty of frustration in the process, plenty of crying in the process. Yeah. But once I got through that, I began to learn how to measure small steps. I think there were times I was trying to do too much and it was just, just do a little bit, just do a little bit. And so I learned in that process at a young age, at the age of 15, that you only get today. So win today, right. manage today, take care of what you can today. That's all you have anyway. Beyond that is out of your control. And so if you wake up the next day and you get another one, knock that thing out and begin to just have little victories along the way. And you talked about your situation where you went from Walker to Kane to being good. You know, there were steps in the process. If it were up to you, you'd have been like, okay, let's get this right away. Same thing with me. I tell people all the time, we don't necessarily get to choose our testimony because if it were up to me, I'd have walked away from this 40 years ago. Right. No problem. I'd have chosen something else. I'd have been like, let me have that over there instead of, instead of this. Right. But we don't get to do we don't get to do that. But what we do get to do is manage how we respond to the things that happen to us in life. And whether we want to live and be positive or if we want to not live and not be positive, that's a choice. You're and and that choice does define who you surround yourself with, what you listen to, where you go. I mean, it impacts everything that you do. And so that's um, that's kind of how I, I, I also uh, had in high school, there were four guys um, that really took me under their wing. And they, it was a diverse group of guys. It was crazy. You know, I had an evangelical Christian guy. I had an atheist. I had a, a liberal German guy. Uh, I had a, a, an African-American guy who lived around the corner from me. I didn't even know that. Those guys became my crew. 
they made sure I got to games, sporting events, things at school. They made that last two and a half years of my experience in high school fantastic. And so it, it taught me about giving people a chance and not being so quick to determine who it is that can help me because you don't know who that's going to be. I would have never, I mean, one of the, one of the guys had a drug problem. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And you know what? A couple of those guys, I uh, recently, you know, have dealt with some, some health issues. And so I was uh, bedridden for almost 120 days. And a couple of those guys, one came up from Atlanta to check on me. Another guy called from Boston and they actually came to see how I was doing. And so those relationships are still there. And I think that was an important thing for me to understand. That, that's, that's, that's really good. Taking another pause for the cause. We got my homegirl, Miss Karen Bryant. This is my only love. You guys can find me on all social media at Transparency Talks Podcast or Butter Be Rockin'. I open my eyes to see the bright sunshine. We don't even have to touch to know you're mine, oh mine, oh mine. To be consumed by you. You set my soul on fire. Just a single thought of you.
Taking Social Stock Podcast is a weekly show hosted by Andrew and Heather. Their podcast discusses the people-centric topics facing business and society from the perspective of an MBA and an MSW. In episode one, which just launched, they discuss the challenges facing educators, parents, and students who are adjusting to the new school year during this pandemic. Visit them today at takingsocialstock.podbean.com. That's takingsocialstock.podbean.com. After you graduated, you got into the corporate world and you started banking first, is that correct? Yes, yep. I, uh, once I finished high school, I was uh, fortunate enough to get an internship with a bank in Milwaukee here. Um, when, while, I was a, while I was a 17 year old at, at, in high school still, I was given my first job. And it's not a glamorous job, but it meant everything to me. It was a banking job. I was filing checks and processing um, insurance payments, nothing fancy. But I, I, was, I was geeked up because you know what? It gave me confidence that I could actually be productive in the workplace right. at a young age. And so uh, the people who gave me that opportunity to this day, uh, many of them are still, I see them and I thank them because that started me on my way to understanding that I could be a part of this. And so I was also part of the inroads program. And so I ended up with a four year internship while I was in college at the bank. And my ultimate goal was to be a commercial lender. And so each of those summers, I was fortunate enough to have a different department that I worked in and ultimately did commercial lending. Um, and that never would have happened quite honestly, if I didn't file those checks properly right. at the beginning. Right. And then I remember going into the vault and having to count money and make sure that it was the ones were with the singles with the singles and the coins with the coins, you know, all those types of things that uh, as I began to make my way through the bank, I understood it all tied together. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, that little bitty thing of starting off right and, and mastering filing those checks made all the difference. So I did get to go into corporate America. I spent uh, five years in banking, loved it. Probably the best corporate job I've had is a banking job. It was a perfect mix for me because it gave me some analytical thinking, but a lot of customer entertainment as well. So I was able to analyze things and think critically, and then we'd go to ball games and, and have dinner and you know things like that. Because I'm, I'm a social guy. I love to interact with people. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you are. And I love to interact with people and, and I love the feedback I get and the energy I get from people. And so that was a great experience. And at, at, at the five-year mark, I had given myself a goal. And it's one of the things I think that's important as you deal with uh, adversity and just life in general is to set targets for yourself and give yourself time limitations on things. And so I knew that at the end of five years, I should be an officer for the for the bank, which is good. That means I would have been promoted. Um, and at that five-year period, I set a goal of going to get my MBA. Mm. And, and I was going to do that regardless. And so that five-year period came. I had been promoted. I was an officer of the bank. I had done pretty well. And uh, I left to get my MBA at Duke University, um, which was an amazing situation. And we'll talk about that, how um, even at the bank, basketball have resurfaced. I had been coached, began coaching while I was banking, um, staying connected to basketball. I did play wheelchair basketball in college. I failed to mention that. Uh, and so basketball, 
Huh? I said I was going to bring it up. Yes. Yeah, so, and so in basketball, never that that passion and that love I had for basketball never left. It didn't become paralyzed when I became paralyzed. Right. You know, it was still there. I just had to figure out now how was I going to keep that passion going. And um, I never knew about wheelchair basketball because I was the only guy in a wheelchair in my school. I didn't know about any of that. I was exposed to that when I got to college and I was open to it. It took me a little while because I was uncomfortable. I know this is hard for people to probably understand, but I was very uncomfortable around people in wheelchairs because I had never been around them before. And I was looking at them like I was getting looked at most of the time. And it was interesting. I had to catch myself and say, wait a minute, you know, you're doing to them what people have done to you. And I had to grow and learn and interact and, and get an appreciation for each of these people that I was playing with and dealing with on an individual basis. Right. That became important for me because I couldn't um, categorize every person that I met in a wheelchair the same way because each had a different story and each had a different situation. There may have been some common things, but a lot was different. And that taught me so much about just giving people a chance and letting them into your life and give them a chance to fail you. I mean, if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Um, but that led to so many other relationships um, at the bank and with basketball and, and eventually um, helping Coach K at Duke University while I was getting my MBA. Um, to be able to follow your passion and not know the road you're gonna take. This was not a linear road. It was windy, it had hills, it had valleys, it had mountains, it had rocks in the way, it had all kinds of different things. But um, to just stay on that course and then have the opportunity um, to be exposed to the highest level of, of college basketball by arguably the greatest coach of all time. You couldn't tell me at age 15 when I had that aneurysm that that was where I was headed. Right. I didn't know that. But if I had stopped, I would have never reached that. Right. And so that was one of the lessons that my parents always taught, taught us, uh, whatever you do, do it with all your might, be the best at it, and never quit. We, we couldn't quit anything, anything at all, ever. <laughs> don't come in the house talking about you want to you quit the team or you, know, you want to change classes. Or, no, that, that was not going to happen in our house. <laughs> my mom was like the Joe Jackson with me and my singing <laughs> from a very young age. So I definitely understand quitting is not in the, even in the vocabulary. So you have one of those smooth voices. I, I, I checked that out from when you spoke in Chicago at the event. So mm -hmm. you did, um, you was a radio personnel, correct? Yes, yes. I, um, when, I, when I was in high school, one of the four guys that um, kind of took me under the wings, uh, we both loved um, Christian music, like contemporary Christian music. And so we had a radio, we had a radio station in the basement of our school called The Wave. And um, he was like, man, we should do a radio show. I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, I started doing it, I really liked it and everything. Um, I didn't quite understand the gift I had, the gift I had as a voice at that time. Right. Until I got, until I got to college. And uh, I just wanted to continue the music because I loved it and wanted to share it with people. And, and that was a time when uh, the Winans and Commission and everybody was just blowing up Witness and all these, these groups were, were just blowing up. And uh, I wanted to get on the radio and share it with people. And uh, so I did get, get to do that. I remember going to the station and there had never been a, a radio show like that before. And so they weren't sure if that could happen and everything. And eventually it did. And um, I was able to, uh, you know, I, 
I guess they tell me I should have done late night jazz because of my voice. But I did early early morning stuff too. So it was one of those things again where um, my my gifts and when you talk about purpose and that type of stuff, I believe that you are given certain gifts that you just have to use. And once you realize they're a gift, um, you work on them, you, you try to perfect them. And I began to understand that my voice was a gift. It was unique uh, and it reached people in, in a different, in a way that I didn't know until people started telling me that, you know? And um, I was like, okay, I guess I, I guess I sound okay. I guess, <laughs> I guess I've been given a little gift there. And so I was able to do that. Um, and then, you know, eventually I did some voice work and, and a few other things and, and uh, um, just love, I love communicating. Uh, that's one of the gifts I feel I've been given to do. Um, and when, you, when you've been given a gift with a voice to go with that gift like that from a communication standpoint, boy, it's, it's a great one-two punch. And, and I, I just grateful that I was given that gift. You guys already know what time it is. Time to take another break. We got Miss Angel White. This is called Fool, everybody. I want to give a shout out to Soul City to be over in Italy. What up, UK? What up, Africa? What up, Canada? What up, USA? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I just got to be honest. I'm good. I'm good. Won't you stay? Won't you stay? Thought I really thought I meant when I said to leave, but I don't feel that way. No, no. Can't believe, can't believe what you said to me and how you made me feel. So bad, so bad. So bad, so bad. I'm so confused. Cause I'm a 
good food. You guys can find me on all social media at Transparency Talks Podcast and at Butterbee Rocker. Join Children of the Light Pantry located in Brooklyn, New York, 1171 East 95th Street. The Food Pantry is open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and on Saturday nights. They have the prayer conference line from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. and you can hear them on Anchor Podcast FM. Ron Smith Start Talent Showcase Children of the Light Prayer Conference Call on Anchor FM. What made you write your book and when did it officially come out? Okay. I wrote the, the, the book is called Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. And I wrote the book that came out in August of 2018. What year is this? 2020? 20. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it came out August 6, 2018, which was my birthday. So that's when it was officially released. Um, I was. Um, Actually, 2017, that's when it came out. It's actually older than I think now. Um, so I, I was, um, I left, after I left uh, education, I was talking with my wife about it. And I said, you know, I think it's time. My assignment is up at the high school. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I, I think I've got something else I'm supposed to do. And she was in agreement with me. And I remember telling the guys in my class, because um, we were all male school, I said, you know, the one thing I'm going to do is write a book. I can tell you guys, I know I'm supposed to do that. But I was uh, very much uh, more interested in speaking. And so I began to put all of my efforts in speaking and trying to get gigs and those types of things. And I, the book I knew I was supposed to do. And so on December uh, 6th of 2016, I was on my way to Boston uh, to give a speech. And while I was on the flight, I began having trouble breathing. And so the... Um, flight attendant gave me an oxygen mask and stuff and my breathing got better and so when we got off the plane I asked for an EMT to be there and they took me to Massachusetts General Hospital and while I was there uh, they did some tests and they said well sir you know you're not going to be giving your speech today and I was like well what do you mean I've got three hours just give me some antibiotics and they said well you've got submassive blood clots in your lungs and we need to we need to, yeah mm-hmm. and we need to take care of that and i said okay well you know i won't be speaking today so let me make some calls and tell the people that i won't be there and this was a really large event and it was one of the events that probably would have catapulted my speaking career uh, fairly fairly significantly so while i'm in the hospital um I, I stayed in icu because there were no other beds in the hospital available and i was getting around the clock care that i probably didn't need um and that turned out that some of the uh, doctors in the hospital heard I was there. They were former students of mine at the high school. And they began to come up and, hey, that's Mr. Coach, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was at Duke and he was Coach K. And they, they began to tell my story to the people who were serving me and helping me. And they began to ask, the doctors would come in and talk to see how I was doing. And they began to ask me, where's your book? And I'm like, well, you know, I've been wanting to do one and I, I think I will. And then another doctor comes and my wife is there now and he's like, you know, your husband, does he have a book? He should write a book. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna write this book. Right. As soon as, as soon as I get home and we got home, uh, I shut down everything for about six months or so. And um, um, we met, uh, I met, I met, that was 2017. 
when we started writing the book in that spring. So I guess it is 2018 that the book was actually published because it took about a year to write the book. Um, and it wasn't as difficult as I thought. I think one of the reasons I didn't do it right away is because it's easier for me to talk than it is for me to write. Uh, it's just, I can talk, I can speak, I can tell my story. But to, to write things and put it, put it on paper was a challenge for me, it stretched me. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we all uh, have to, to face to get to our next level is being stretched beyond comfort and being and learn how to be learn learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And and it took me a little while to do that. And so we were able to uh, my, myself and one of my other former students who was an English teacher offered to help me write the book for free. And I said, you, you said for free? He said, yes. I said, well, you're in. <laughs> and so so we, we, we sat down and we actually did Zoom videos um, uh, Mondays and Wednesday nights uh, over a course of eight or nine months or whatever it was it took us to kind of put it together. And, um, and then after that, you know, we found a publisher and got it edited and, and, and released the book. And, and at the end, I tell you what, I was so proud when I had that book in my hand. That, I know the feel. That, you know that feel, that, that sense of accomplishment. You know, um, on the other side of every assignment is a grade, but more importantly than the grade is what you learn in the process of completing that assignment. And I learned about, you know, perseverance and sticking with it. And on days when I didn't know what to write, okay, come back tomorrow, you know, and just learning to, again, manage each day properly. And that took um, place with the book. And the reason I, I believe I wrote the book and was, was a, a, like an assignment to write the book was to encourage people um, that regardless of their situation, I don't care how difficult it is, um, you can not just survive, you can overcome and you can thrive, you know? and and that there are people that are willing to help you. There are connections that will be made. As long as you keep moving forward, you be a person of integrity, you be a person of character, you work hard and you keep moving forward, that you can make a difference. You can make a real difference in some of someone else's life. And ultimately for me, um, that's the greatest satisfaction of all is to hear someone say, man, you know, I've been watching you and you really inspire me. And I didn't know for years that people were watching what I was doing. I was just going about my business because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Work, take care of things, pay bills, you know, things that everyone else does. Okay. But people were watch, watching me through a different lens that I didn't know. And when they were telling me how much I inspired their life, I was, it was humbling, uh, it was gratifying, it was affirming. You know, it was all of those things that we all, if we're honest, we all want, we all want validation of some sort, you know? And for me um, to put my life in a book and to be transparent in that book about the ups and the downs and getting fired and, and starting over, um, for me, it's probably the greatest thing I've ever accomplished so far. I mean, it's really been a blessing to me and to, to many others. and. Uh, that's the reason I wrote it, and it wasn't for me because I know who that I know, I know who I am. But it was really meant uh, uh, to encourage people that I thought it was time to 
in a time where I thought a, a, a voice of encouragement was needed. You know, you, you hear so many things of negativity and struggles and different things. And I just wanted this to be different to let people get, because people are reading the book and they would say to me, well, I was waiting for the other shoe to fall. I said, well, there was no other shoe. The shoe fell one time for me when I was 15 years old. After that, I started walking, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And so, um, so there is no other shoe. Um, I, I struggle with, um, I mean, I, I, I deal with the realities of this every day. I have to get up every day and get dressed and do the things I have to do. Um, just overcoming this sepsis, um, that was something I didn't anticipate to be on bed rest for almost four months, just in time to be quarantined for the coronavirus. Uh, that was very difficult. Um, and how to how to better yourself um, when you're isolated and when you're by yourself. I mean, and, and I know that you understand that. Um, and now I even have a greater empathy for people who have situations where they're convalesced and they're by themselves, for people who are incarcerated and better themselves in the midst of incarceration. Oh, those, those people are my heroes. I don't know what they've got to dig so deep to get that out. I, I just applaud any person that's in that situation that takes the time to better themselves and get degrees and do all those things in the midst of where they don't even know if they'll get out. Yeah. Boy, that, that, that four month period that's, uh, I'm ending now forever changed my life. And I know you're like, well, how many life changing things do you have? You keep living, your life keeps changing. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. Um, there's so many, there's so many different steps and so many different levels to different things. So I, I, I truly understand exactly what you're saying um, to so many levels. As a matter of fact, I just spoke to one of my friends. He went from being homeless to becoming a lawyer to becoming one of Times 100 top influential people he checked himself in because he was on drugs and was homeless and stuff and he checked himself in to get better and he used that time to go back to school and yes. I mean, and then there's so many different things you know so many steps that he had to do but now he's this big big person that was in the category with michelle obama and lady gaga with times i'm like that's amazing <laughs> it you know? is amazing yeah, yeah, definitely. And those are those are inspiring stories. I mean, I, I have come to um, appreciate other people's stories as well. You know, as I speak and I and I travel, um, the rooms that I speak in are full of stories, full of people, and they'll come up afterwards and and, and share personal things with me, and and I get inspired by that. And I think that we all have a story to tell. I believe I believe that your story is the most powerful thing you have to tell. And if you can tell that uh, with humility and transparency and with the desire to help someone else, then you're life changing for yeah. that person. Yeah. And, I, and I've learned so much about that. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. I was terrified to tell my story. I didn't think nobody wanted to hear my story. I was scared to really put myself out there on the limb and let people know that I've had failures, that I've went through divorce and that I've, you know, had all these different struggles and everything. And then I found that once I actually told my story and put it in book form and everything, it was a relief. It was so liberating. And it was cool to have people, you know, contact me 
being able to relate to the different things that I was going through. And even now, once I injured myself with my knee, you know, me posting my videos of me walking on the walker and, and determined to walk across the stage for graduation, all those different types of things. It had people contact me saying, you can do it, I can do it type thing. And that's what your book did to me, was reading it. I was like, man, I mean, you had so many things that knocked you down, but you got up. And I think that that's always how somebody should be. Les Brown always says, if you can look up, you can get up. And and I truly believe that. And you are one of those people to me that your story is so inspiring. And just the way your perspective is on everything is always like, wow. <laughs> I'm in awe. You know, I, I think um, you, you mentioned the word perspective. And I do think, um, and I love, I love that quote from Les Brown. Because I, I believe as long as you have breath, you can make a distance. You can make a difference, yeah. even if it's just the last couple of things you have to say. Yeah. Um, but perspective is perspective drives everything. I believe how you see a thing determines how you how you attack it, and then how you attack it determines its outcome. Yeah. And so if you if you don't think you can, and you don't think you're worthy, you don't think you probably won't be successful in that. And if you think it's a really big thing that you can't overcome, then you probably won't overcome it. Right. You know, but if if you if you can kind of just see it for what it is, a temporary thing, even yeah. though it's been a long time for me, this is going to pass at some point, whether in this life or the next, this is going to pass. And so I just have to get through these temporary um, setbacks and and use them as setups for success. And we all can do that. I, I just think we we all can do that. And yeah, we get knocked down. I mean, life is tough. Yeah. I mean, life is life, and I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care what your socioeconomic background is, what your race is, what your gender is. Life is going to hit you, and it's going to hit you hard at some point. And maybe you haven't experienced it yet, but keep on living. Keep on living. Uh, it's 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 coming, uh, and and your ability to get up off the ground will determine what your legacy and what your story is. Yeah. And if you just keep getting up, and you keep getting up. It's amazing how much stronger you get um, when you keep getting up it, because it, you have to use everything to stand again and you're strengthening yourself again each time. And so, um, so yeah, so that's, um, that's what, that's what I think successful people do in general. And I think people who inspire others, like, I mean, your, your book inspired me. I, when I read it, I was, I was like, wow, you know, cause we had met, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who you were or what you did or, you know, that kind of thing. And I started reading, I was like, oh my goodness. And then she had this and that, and and you just kept going. I mean, and you had ups and downs. I mean, it was not, your your road was not linear either. That, you had windy heels and a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, but you were so focused. I think focus is, is a huge word that we probably should talk about a little bit more. People staying focused on your, on your goal and your mission and what you really feel innately that you were designed to do. And you can't let the other stuff take that focus away because once you do, you know, you'll, you'll be doing things that are okay, but you won't be fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. So what's next for you? I know that you are an awesome speaker. Are you thinking about doing another book? Or... It's interesting that, you know, a lot of people have asked me because of this uh, time I've had on bed rest, you know, I'm sure you're writing a book about it. <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't know. I, I, um, I think I want to get healthy first. That's my first goal is to kind of get back 100% healthy. Um, but I, by, I will probably 
look to do some sort of second edition of the book or, or something like that with uh, or either a workbook or something that gives people an opportunity to to deal with their own situations and answer questions about their own life and, and try to help them get through some of that. Um, I will um, I'm going to begin a, pod, uh, a podcast called Getting Undressed, the podcast. And we'll be t- talking to people uh, who have stories similar to yours and mine that are just quote unquote everyday people with extraordinary stories to try to help people to grow in that type of stuff so we'll be kicking that off uh, fairly soon um and uh with the with the current uh, uh virus situation and businesses closed and everything i don't know what the future holds i've got uh literally things canceled um that haven't been rescheduled um so i know what it means to not have income for four or five or six months i haven't had any um all of those things I take into consideration as I begin to go out and speak again, because now there's more, I have more experiences now to tell. Right. And I think, I think that's the beauty of life is that as you grow, if you're willing to learn and grow, um, there's more you can tell. And so I know, so I know what all those things are like. Um, and you know, who knows? I mean, there, there might be another book. I, I just haven't, it hasn't come to me yet what that would be. But I know I want to I want to do something uh, with the book. We're going to begin to start doing interviews uh, with people who have read the book, short little five, ten minute interviews, and put those out on social media to get the content of the book out there and, and things that impressed them and what touched you and, um, you know, what, what did you leave with when you read the book, those types of things. So we'll do that and um, uh, hopefully get back to speaking. You know, I... I don't, I've learned, I've learned that I don't know enough about what I'm doing to, to be uh, overly confident about things. You know, I, I know that there's very few things I can control. And so I try to control the things I can, and that's my effort, my attitude. Uh, I try to stay focused and say, get quiet and, and ask God for direction and, and just kind of move forward that way. I, um, if you had told me, um, you know, 40 years ago that I'd have a book and be a speaker and all that, I, I probably would have never agreed that that was going to happen um, because I didn't know that was in my future. But I know where I am now and I think um, there's, a, there's some things left to do in the speaking arena and, and uh, with this book and it's just getting started, you know, and, and now everybody's had, everybody's had a little interruption. Right. And I, I often talk about, <laughs> um, pay attention to the interruptions in your life because they're trying to teach you something or tell you something. And this was a crazy interruption that is teaching us a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we each can can learn from this and grow and, and be stronger. And um, the big thing for me is once you find your purpose, and once I found my purpose of, of reaching people, um, I want to leave, I want to leave them better. You know, put your purpose into action. Just don't know what it is for yourself because your purpose is always bigger than you. It's for someone else, it's for the world, you know? And so once you understand that, um, it takes care of ego and everything else because it's really not about you. That's well said. Can you tell everybody how they can get your book and how they can book you? Because I promise you, when you listen to this, they're gonna wanna book you even more. Um, sure, I can, I can be, uh, uh, my book is on Amazon and also at my website, which is davidcooksspeaks.com. 
Okay, davidcooksspeaks.com is my website. You can also order the book there. You can contact me on my website or I'm also on uh, social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on all of those and you're able to reach me there as well. If you want a signed copy of the book, then go to my website and order it directly from me and I'll sign it for you and, and make sure we ship it out. So it'd be an honor to, to do that. And especially now, uh, now that we have a little extra time on our hands, uh, I too have been doing more reading and more listening to podcasts and things to, to, to improve myself that uh, otherwise, honestly, I'm not sure I would have done it because I'd have been busy trying to speak and run around and do different things. So use this time as a time of self-care and reflection. Uh, you know, in the book it says about reflect, regroup, and relaunch. What a great time to do that, to sit down and assess where you are and who you are, get yourself back together and prepare yourself for the next step. That's the relaunch aspect. And so that's what I'm doing with myself too. Um, I've got a feeling that this venue is going to become a lot more um, uh, used, used in the future yeah. uh, with technology and Zoom. And so those of us who speak in front of groups, uh, we may have to figure out uh, how to best use this technology as we move forward. So I'm excited about that. I think it's a great time to be alive. I think there's going to be great opportunity coming out of this. Um, we just got to be prepared to, to move forward and and uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's what it is right now. Definitely. Well, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of Transparency Podcast. At Transparency Podcast, my, one of my goals is to peel back the layers and use those stories to inspire other people. And I definitely know that your story not only inspires me, but it's going to inspire all of the listeners and everybody that's tuning in. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I don't, I don't take these things for granted. Cool. Well, with that being said, we're going to sign off. So goodbye, you guys. Talk to you later. This is my single, Promised Land. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and all other digital platforms.
Land. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It is available on all social media platforms. Also, check out the video on YouTube. Thanks again to our sponsors at Better Health Ways, LLC.